Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandrove, the podcast for wine fanatics who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, we introduce you to a prominent woman and take a peek into her life and, of course, her favorite wines. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Leslie Frank, who is featured in Wine Country Women of Napa Valley. Leslie is the proprietor of Frank Family Vineyards. Leslie, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Happy to sit down with you, Michelle, on this gorgeous day. I know it is fabulous and we are here at your winery on Larkmead Lane and I'm glad to be sitting here with you today. So let's get started. So let's talk about your career. You are a former TV anchor and reporter. Right, right. Your career started mostly in Canada. That's right. I was born and raised in Canada uh, in the Toronto area and um, I studied journalism and I was fortunate enough to, to get my first television news job right out of college. It was in a small TV market in Ontario, and I spent a few years there as a reporter and anchor. And then I moved, uh, I moved across Canada, working mostly in Western Canada, in, in Calgary and Edmonton as an anchor. And um, I made the, the big move to the U.S. back in 1998. I was hired um, to launch the newscast for the Fox affiliate in Seattle, and I was uh, the, the main co-anchor for their 10 p.m. newscast. So I, um, I spent almost seven years there. Then I made the jump to Los Angeles, where I worked for ABC as a reporter and uh, fill-in anchor at ABC in LA. And I was there for nine years before transitioning into a new career. (laughs) So did you ever think you'd be a proprietor of a winery one day? You know, I've always loved wine, um, mostly drinking wine, and that hasn't changed. So when I met my husband, uh, Rich Frank, and, and that's an interesting story, how we met actually in Napa. He was living in Los Angeles at the time, had the, the winery here, which was, which was much smaller at the time. And, um, and, uh, we met in Napa, strangely enough, uh, at Bouchon Bistro <laughs> at the Oyster Bar. And I was with my girlfriend. She was a producer at ABC and, uh, uh, she and I had just finished covering the Michael Jackson tra- trial in Santa Maria, California. And if you remember that, it was a very long and grueling and emotional trial dealing, obviously, with the charges against Michael Jackson, the child molestation charges. So it was mentally draining for me. And when that trial ended, I said to my friend, let's go to Napa and drink some good wine, which Napa was always a place near and dear to my heart. I loved to come here a couple of time, couple times a year and do what everybody else does when they come to Napa, go wine tasting, enjoy the great food scene here and just enjoy the surroundings. And, um, it was on that trip back in 2006 that I met Rich. Okay. But fast forward, we're talking about your career. Right, 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 right. So did you ever dream that you would be running a winery? No, I, I, I never really dreamed that I would be running a winery. In fact, I never really thought that I would leave the news business. You know, I, I, I loved the news business and I love the change that it brings every day. And, um, it's, it's an exciting world to be in. Although I've been out of it for about five years now. I left the, I left ABC about five years ago. And I will say that in the tumultuous political era that we're in, it's, it, it's, uh, I'm kind of glad I'm not in it at this moment. 
Did you go through withdrawal when you got got out of television? Um, you know, there there are aspects of it that I miss, but I think for me, I and and for most people, you have to have a purpose when you get up in the morning. What are you going to do with your day? You know, it's it's great to have days for yourself where you can say, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go get a massage or a facial. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pamper myself today. I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to do things for me. That's great. I love those days. But gets pretty boring if that's your life. And, and I said to Rich, you know, it was a conversation that, a, a big conversation that we had. I, um, we wanted to spend more time in Napa. We wanted to grow the winery. Nope pun intended. And, um, and in order to do that, that required our attention and, and our, our time and being here on a full-time basis. So I think he wanted me to kind of transition out of the news business because let's face it, you know, when you're married, sitting up waiting for your wife to come home after, you know, she works on the four, five, six, and 11 p.m. newscast and you're getting home at midnight or 12.30 in the morning is not really conducive <laughs> to, um, you know, a, a new marriage. And, sure. um, and uh, so I, I, I made the decision that I, would, that I would phase out of it. So I cut back to three days a week. Um, which my station was so supportive and they allowed me to do. They weren't happy about it, but they said, okay. And so I did that for a while, but still it didn't give us the time that we needed to be here full time and, and also to travel. And, and, you know, when you're in the wine business and you're, you're promoting your brand that requires marketing your brand and doing it on the road as well. So we, we travel quite a bit, uh, with winery business, but we also want to travel for fun too. And, uh, there's just not an, enough vacation time <laughs> when you have other, <laughs> when you have two jobs. So, so I left. So what do you enjoy most about owning a winery? Um, I think what I enjoy aside from drinking great wine in Napa Valley, <laughs> that's kind of the obvious, right? Um, I enjoy Napa. I love this community and it really is a community that embraces you. And I felt living in Los Angeles, working in news when you're in, you know, an industry like news or my husband was in the entertainment industry and on the executive side, um, that's a place to be. But when you're not in those industries, I didn't feel like I had a connection uh, to the community in Los Angeles and moving up to Napa. It's such, it's such a giving community and it's, it's charitable. And you know, from all the charity events that, that happen here and the Vintners are, um, I'm talking about fellow Vintners and the Vintners Association. It's a great organization that, that brings us all together. But, but fellow Vintners that we've gotten to know over the years and become friends with, um, it's a really interesting relationship because they are friends and it's not a competitive thing. And I've never worked in an industry. The news business is competitive. You're trying to get to the scene first. You want the story. You want the interview that your competitors don't get. Here, we want the best for everybody because if Napa Valley has a good year, we all have a good year. And we all sell our wine. So we're in a good situation. And the, we're in the hospitality business. So right. when I have people come here and they say, well, we love Frank family, but where else should we go? I'll send them to my friends, you know? I'll send them to Michelle Baggett's place at Alpha Omega or Blakesley Chapelet's place up at Chapelet. You know, these are my friends. So 
I'll, I'm, I'm happy to, to say they make great wine. Make sure you try this one. You know, it, it's, it's just a very inclusive community. So I love it here. So that's what you like about owning a winery. Well, I like, I like, what I like about owning a winery is that it does, it, it, it puts me, it, it puts me into the community okay. because we are in a position to give back as a, as a winery. Um, and I like the interaction with people, you know, my background working in news was going out and interviewing people and getting their stories and talking to people. So there's that element of, of being a, a, a proprietor at a winery is that you'll see Rich and me in the tasting room on a day-to-day basis. When we're here, yes, we work in the administration building and we're, you know, dealing with budgets and numerous other things, but then we take a break and we walk over and we walk into the tasting room, our little yellow craftsman house that has a warm and homey feel. And we'll introduce ourselves to guests who have flown in from Chicago or Houston or Miami or wherever they may come from. They come from all over the country. And it's, first of all, they're shocked to see you because they don't expect the owners to say hello. But I think it just... I love to see their reaction, and I love to, to see people enjoying our labors of love, which, you know, our labor of love, which is, is the wine, and, uh, and just having a great experience. So let's talk more about the Frank Family Vineyards experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. When someone walks through the door, what can they expect? They can expect the best hospitality. Um, this goes back to my husband's days at Disney where... You don't have customers, you have guests. So we want people when they show up here to feel like they are a guest, that they are a member, an extended member of the Frank family. Um, We love the wines that we make. We're very proud of what we make. We have a fantastic winemaker, Todd Graff. We also have four wonderful vineyards and prime areas of Napa. So we're, you know, we're, we take pride in the wines that we make and we love to share those wines with the public. And I think nothing is more rewarding to me when somebody shows up and they say, I've never been here before and I've never tasted your wine, but somebody told me I have to come here. And then I say, well, great. Do you like the wine? They're like, oh my God, I've never had this wine before. We love this wine. We think it's some of the best we've tasted on our trip. And I mean, you can tell when people are being sincere. You can tell when, you know, they're, they're, they're really enjoying themselves. And that's rewarding because we've gone to great lengths to hire people who work for us. And I mean, they're really part of our family, our wine educators here. They love being here. They love interacting with the guests. So from all levels, you know, we, we try to create an environment that is just hospitable. And, um, and every time, you know, somebody comes back and they say, you know, I was here a year ago and it's part of our annual trip. We never miss coming to Frank family. To me, that's just a testament to what we're doing here. So how many cases of wine do you make? So we're over a hundred thousand cases. Um, we started 26 years ago, making 200 cases of Cabernet. Uh, and really it was just a vanity project that my husband, you know, he was, he had a great career at Disney and he was like, yeah, I love Napa. And you know, this winery came up and he bought it with Kerner Rombauer and Kerner was sort of running it, but you know, it was called Frank Rombauer at the time. And then back in 2000, um, Rich and Kerner kind of parted ways on a business level because Rombauer 
existed already and it was creating some brand confusion because people would say to rich oh are you kerner you're frank rombauer are you kerner's younger brother it's like (laughs) no no no. i'm frank and he's rombauer and so it so we just parted ways but they stayed rich and kerner stayed the best of friends until uh until kerner passed a couple years ago but um yeah so we started making 200 cases and then you know rich when he left the entertainment business focused a little bit more on the winery. And then when we met, we purchased more vineyard property. And when we made the move to Napa full-time about four years ago, we just decided that this is what will be our our full-time job. And we've slowly been growing the brand. We have, yes. So we we distribute um, across the U.S. We distribute into Canada, in Mexico, um, Asia. And what would people see out there? In the market, in the marketplace, you'll see our classic level um, Frank family brand, which has a pretty unique label. It's our historic stone building with the trees in front of it, and uh, it it's a label that stands out on a store shelf. And Rich designed that label when he started because that's exactly what he wanted. He wanted something that, if you're in, you know, one of the finer grocery stores or you're in one of the the wine shops, that you don't just see a white label with some, you know, minimalist writing on it that it, it's a label that you notice. It's definitely one of a kind. Yeah. And is it silk screened? It used to be. It's uh it's a clear label. Okay. Um but no, we used to silk screen, but obviously given our case production, it's a, it's a that pricey, it's a pricey yeah. venture. Yeah. <laughs> but it looks like it. And yeah. I, I think I remember it when it, when it was silk yeah. screen, but it, yeah. it looks the very like beginning. it is. So are there also winery only yes. wines? Yes. Yeah. We make winery only wines. We make a whole reserve tier, okay. um, which is what we taste when guests come to the tasting room, because our, our feeling is if they can get our classic level wines, in retail, mm-hmm. they don't need to come here to taste them. We want to taste them something they, they can't get in retail that they can purchase out of out of our wine club or out of our tasting room. So, so and they're also smaller production wines, more limited production. What are some of those wines? So we make uh, vineyard designate wines. Uh, we have our Lewis Vineyard Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Our Lewis Vineyard is named after our oldest grandson, Lewis Frank. And that's in Carneros, where we grow those two varietals. And we have our um, RHF, which is a a new um, Cabernet from Rutherford. And RHF stands for Richard Harvey Frank. That's, uh, we just introduced that. The 2016 vintage just came out um, about a month ago. And it also symbolizes Rutherford hillside and floor. So the fruit in that in that um, reserve Cabernet is from our Winston Hill Vineyard, which is a hillside vineyard in Rutherford, and from our Benjamin Vineyard, which is um, on the Rutherford, on the flats of Rutherford. Um, and Benjamin is our youngest grandson. So aside from Winston, which is the vineyard that we have our home on, Winston was a dog, a black and white Springer Spaniel, and that was the first vineyard in Frank family. Then as we purchased other vineyards, Rich bought the Lewis Vineyard in Carneros. And then um, most recently we purchased the the Benjamin Vineyard, um, 80 acres on the floor in in Rutherford. And then we have the S&J Vineyard, which is in Capel Valley. And S&J stands for Stella and Jeremy, our other two grandchildren. Oh, wow. So there you go. (laughs) Okay. But you also make some bubbles. We make bubbles. Oh my goodness. How could I forget? <laughs> cheers, cheers to that. Yeah, for sure. Can't do a podcast without a little bubbles, right? 
This is our Brut Rosé. And these are spectacular bubbles. I will pass that on to Todd Graff, our winemaker. Um, so there's a bit of history here. Uh, the stone building, which is on our bottle, that um, is the historic Larkmead winery, which existed back in the late 1800s. But when my husband bought this property, he, he bought it um, out of a bankruptcy, um, but it had been owned by Hans Cornell, uh, who made Cornell champagne. champagne right. And so as a tip of, tip of the hat to Hans Cornell, and um, also because our winemaker loves to make bubbles, he worked at Schramsberg for a long time, uh, we continue with that tradition. And uh, all of our sparkling wine is made method champenois, the champagne method. We hand riddle every bottle. I think we might be the only winery that, that hand riddles every bottle. Um, Maybe. But it's, uh, it's a smaller production, and it's something that we like to greet our guests with when they come to the tasting room. Um, you know, that's the first thing. Welcome. Have a glass of bubbles. So... Well, I wouldn't turn it away. (laughs) (laughs) And they are really just spectacular. Question, what would, I mean, you've had two really great careers, and you continue to have a a wonderful career here at Frank Family Vineyards, but if you could have any job of any kind, what would your dream job be? Oh, you know, that's, I I don't think about that, Michelle. And and I'll tell you why, because honestly, as cliche as it may sound, I'm living the dream. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, I know. I I like knock on wood, but I have a really great life and I don't take it for granted. I am thankful every day. You know, I, I, I'm you lucky. don't want to be a classic ballerina. Or... Oh, no, <laughs> no, no. I would like to learn how to play the piano, though. Oh, okay. And, and there's, you know, I suppose the only thing stopping me is that we don't have a piano. So maybe, maybe that's a purchase down the road. But I've always wanted to play the piano. And but I don't you know if I'd be any good. You don't want to have a career. Oh, no, I don't want to have a career. Yes. No, I just want to learn how to yes, do it. Just you know, learn. a few things that I'd like to learn in my, in my lifetime. Want more on today's interview? Purchase Wine Country Women of Napa Valley. It's available on our website at winecountrywomen.com. Let's move on to your personal life. Okay. So I always like to ask people why they chose to live where they do. So why do you live in the town of Rutherford? Um, Because when I met Rich... He had a house in Rutherford, and, and he had, which sits on our Winston Hill Vineyard. And it was a house he didn't spend much time in. And after he and I met and started spending some time in Napa and had conversations about the wine business, and, and we said, look, it's so beautiful here. Why don't we try to, why don't we really focus on this? Like, this doesn't have to be a hobby. This can be our life. And... So we both made the decisions, as I said. I decided to leave the, the news right. business, and he decided to leave the entertainment business fully. Um, he still sits on a couple of boards, but he was producing some shows. And, I mean, I think he was doing it just to keep his hand in it. And we said, we don't need to do that. We have something really special here. Let's, let's grow it. Let's make it our life. So that's what we've done. So why Rutherford? Rutherford was where a vineyard and a house was, and it's probably 
I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the valley. I really do. And we're a hillside, and we have just a spectacular view from our home. You've been there. You've seen yes. the view. I mean, it's a great location. It's a great location. You've now redecorated it yeah. to make it your own. Right. I worked with Aaron Martin. We live in a 1930s classic Tudor house. And, and so let's talk about okay. that. If we took a step inside your home, what yeah. would we see? Well, you would see that we have... Um, maintain the integrity of the home, but we've modernized it to the best of our ability. Um, obviously, a Tudor home has certain characteristics, and it can be a little dark on the inside. And that was kind of um, my feeling is that what I wanted to achieve working with Aaron was I wanted to make the home brighter and homier. So we we sort of took the plaster and modeled the plaster a little bit more and got rid of that sort of old dated kind of orange peel look on the plaster. And, and we went with a white paint and we darkened the original wood beams. So we went with dark beams and a white and we kept, you know, the furnishings light and bright and airy and brought in some color through, um, our artwork. And while we moved out of our house in Los Angeles, which was a pretty good size. We had, <laughs> we had a lot of furniture that didn't work in our current house. And we had some artwork that we loved that we wanted to incorporate in our Napa house. Okay. But we also, you know, Rich and I were, were making this our, our, our new home. So we purchased some new art- artwork and just kind of really made it ours. So, um, so yes, I, I would say that we've we've kept the integrity and the feel of a classic home, but the interior is more modern and but still there's an element of comfort because I believe that your home should be inviting and you can still have, you know, a, a modern contemporary feel to it, but it should be there should be warmth as well. And I think that we've achieved all of that. And um it's a little eclectic too, because I like things that aren't just, you know, so status quo. So, um, we have some, some interesting art pieces and, and, uh, furniture pieces there that are a little more on the eclectic side. So can you describe one? Um, yeah, I think, um, let's see. Um, I would say if you go into our kitchen, um, which, you know, has the, the, black and white, large checkerboard tile. And we've done the kitchen, you know, white cabinets and, but we have a light fixture in there that is oversized. Um, it's a statement piece for sure, but it's an old vintage light stand that came from London and we've modernized it with a with a contemporary light fixture in the middle of it, mm. and it's kind of hard to describe. <laughs> you, you know, you need a, need to see it firsthand or see a picture of it. But you know, it's not it's not what you would think of when you walk into you know our kitchen. It's just it's such a statement piece. Um, I would say that um, some of our artwork, a, a recent piece that that we purchased uh, actually when we were in Italy at a at a gallery in Venice, um, is a is a a bronze uh, sculpture, which is almost like, uh, how do I explain this? The artist, his name is Bruno Catalano. So 
look him up, Bruno Catalano, <laughs> and it's part of his Traveler series, and it's one of the most unique pieces of art I've ever seen. And I saw it in the window, and it was a life-size piece, but it was a man and a w- woman holding hands, but their midsection was missing. And I'm like, wait, how, how do they do that? So they've got, like, their leg here and their hands are joined, but the midsection is missing. And, and the story behind that is that every time you travel, you leave a piece of you behind. And I loved the story so much, and it's so true. You know, there's a part of you, your, a piece of your heart that you leave somewhere that you yearn to go back there. And so when I saw um, this artist's work, I thought, I, I have to have that in, in our home. And it's definitely one of those pieces. Where it's a conversation place, piece. I put it right that. in the corner of our living room um, so that when you come up our front steps, the living room window extends and you can actually see it from the outside. So it almost looks like there's a person standing there, you know, so you can kind of see it from the outside and the inside too. Oh, wow. I like that. I like that piece of artwork and the meaning behind it. Yeah. Another piece, um, here I am plugging all these people. They should be giving me, they should be like, you know, giving me some commission here. Um, Lindsay Edelman is, uh, she, she makes these incredible light fixtures And in my dining room, I have one of her fixtures. It's called the branching bubbles and trying to find something that would work in our dining room because the ceiling is low. Keep in mind, it's a 1930s Tudor house. We didn't have the giant big ceilings back then. So the ceiling isn't super high. So you can't have something that really hangs down too low, like a, a normal, you know, chandelier or pendant, uh, because then you're going to be like, you know hitting your head on it or something. <laughs> so this this comes down, but it, it spans horizontally. Oh, it and it's got these giant, you know, hand-blown glass bulbs. And it's just, it's fabulous. And it's was crazy expensive. And I don't even know that Rich knows how much we paid for it because I wouldn't show him the bill. <laughs> I just told him, I'm like, honey, just consider it an art piece because it's, it was a commitment. But anyway, I love it. And it's not something that you would think of because it, it does have more of a contemporary feel. So it's not something you would look at when you... But I like that. You've taken an old house and you've intertwined some contemporary components right. to it. Right. And yeah. you've made it all your own. Yeah. It was so, fun. So it seems appropriate to ask, do you have a hobby? <laughs> you know, I feel like um, interior design has become a hobby. Um, we've, we've updated the, the Or collecting the art, room. maybe. Yeah. The, the, God, gosh, you know, it, we love to, to look at art. We, we buy what we like, you know. When we see something that speaks to us, I mean, you know, someone can always tell you, this is a great piece of art and it was done by so-and-so and and it's worth this much. But if it doesn't speak to you, it's your home. You have to look at it every day. You have to enjoy that piece of art. And, um, it just has to speak to you. It's such a personal thing. And my feeling is if you don't like it right away, exactly. It's not the right piece for you. Absolutely. So a hobby so a hobby, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, that's become my hobby. Okay. I would say so <laughs> in the last couple of years, let me see, we've done a, a guest house, our own house. We made, um, we redesigned a barn that's on our property that we totally restored and updated. And it's rich likes to call it his man cave. I'm like, no, you don't get to have a man cave. It's the party barn because it's as much mine as it is his. So, Perfect. Um, and you did the but, decorating. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. Worked on that. And it, it's been fun. I've, I've really enjoyed it. 
And it's kept me busy for the last four years on top of, you know, the usual winery business, but I like it. Is there something else people might be surprised to learn about you that, that most people don't know? Um, surprised to learn. Do you speak Um, a language or? Oh boy. Is there something crazy in your past that a lot of people don't know that you did or I don't know? Well, I would say maybe some of the things that I, I covered when I was, when I was working as, as a news newscaster, as a journalist, um, I was in New York on nine 11. That was a pretty, pretty, um, shocking and emotional time for everyone. And I mean, obviously a day that changed the world, not just the country, but, um, to be there and to be reporting, on the events that took place that day, uh, you don't really ever forget that, and it kind of shapes you and your 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 outlook on on life. I think. And let's um, let's focus on that for a moment. How did it change you specifically? Um, I think I, I've never felt more helpless uh, as I did that day. Um, it, you you want to help, but I know that there were calls that you know initially. The Red Cross was saying there's a shortage of blood. People need to donate blood, but that wasn't true because the people were, who, who were coming in weren't surviving. So it, it, you know, it was it was a devastating day. Um, as a reporter, I learned how to try to keep it together, and that was really difficult because when you are so affected by emotionally affected by something that you're seeing and and quite frankly experiencing along with everyone else it's hard to go on the air and remain composed and not allow your emotions to come into play and I I know that there were a few moments where I felt I really had to fight back tears and I'm talking about this now and I'm telling you it I I think about it and it it makes me tear up but it was it was it was a, a, a difficult day on so many levels and professionally as well. And I think any journalist who was covering that story that day can relate. Um, Katrina was another, was another big story. And, um, you know, being there um, and seeing the devastation and the loss, the loss that so many people felt. And um, you just, you don't forget those things. And you just feel you, you feel thankful for what you have it. You appreciate life more and you appreciate your good fortune more. And, and, you know, I, I don't know if people in other parts of the country, um, you're, you're from the South, you know, right. Aren't you from the South? Yes. Yeah, of course. So I just think that their outlook on life is, is more positive and I'm generalizing here, but I know that I was working for LA media and I went into, um, Mississippi and, and new Orleans. And I would go up to somebody who had just lost everything. They'd lost their home. And I'd say, what are you going to do? Tell us your story. What are you feeling? What? And instead of putting their hand up and pushing the camera out of the way, they were like, you're, you're here, you're here from LA, from California. You want to tell our story? And they were grateful. And I, I don't think that if that situation happened in California, you know, certainly in the larger centers that people would be wanting the media there or be grateful that 
that there was coverage. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think we get all, we all get so caught up in our day-to-day lives that we forget about other people's suffering. And, you know, it's what we were talking about a little bit earlier, even off camera or off, off microphone that, um, you know, what our neighbors in Sonoma are going through, Mm -hmm. you know, they're so close and we're thankful that we weren't hit this time, but you can't forget so far, so far, exactly. You don't know. Um, but you can't forget our, our friends and neighbors who are, who are so close. Right. Well, it seems appropriate, um, as we begin to wrap things up that I ask the holidays are upon us. Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. Right. Um, do you have a, a Thanksgiving tradition? Well, my Thanksgiving traditions have changed over the years. Um, being Canadian, uh, Canadians celebrate Thanksgiving in early October, and it's really a celebration of the harvest, and they celebrate on a Monday. So my birthday always falls over Thanksgiving, and today, uh, this year, it falls on Thanksgiving, which is fine. Um, so we tend to spend it with um, with family in Los Angeles. That sort of tends to be the, the, the tradition. That's what we've done most of the years. We get together with... Uh, with family in, in LA and, um, and the grandkids. And we have Thanksgiving Turkey, just like everyone else. And we drink some good Frank family wine and, uh, and we, we celebrate being together and we celebrate what we have. And we're lucky because we have each other. And I don't think you can ask for anything more than wonderful family and support. Okay. Leslie, let's wrap things up on a light note. Five quick questions. Okay. I'll be as quick as I can. <laughs> okay. I think you'll like some of these for sure. <laughs> what kind of car do you drive? Um, right now, today. Okay. Cause I have, I have two. <laughs> <laughs> Just pick one. <laughs> um, I drive a, a Mercedes SUV and I bought it because of my dog. Cause he fits nicely in the back. <laughs> okay. Who's your favorite clothing designer? Oh, you know who that is. You know, I love Tom Ford. I love Tom Ford. Okay. Third question. What's your favorite song to dance to? Oh, boy. Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, September. Okay. Who's your favorite actor or actress? Oh, oh, oh. Favorite actor or actress? Um, Oh, boy. That's so hard. Um, One of your favorites. One of my favorites. Okay. Okay. Oh, I don't know. I think that anything Leonardo DiCaprio does is pretty golden. I think he's fabulous. And how about who is... Meryl Streep would have to be actress. I mean, does it get any better? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What is one of your favorite movies? One of my favorite movies... Okay, Rich will laugh because... And there's not a lot of depth to this movie, but this is the movie that always makes me laugh. And whenever I'm flipping around and I see it on any of the, like, HBO or any of the movie channels, any of the Bridget Jones movies, I love them. They just, I don't know, they make me laugh. It's uh, not a lot of depth there, I get it, but sometimes you just don't want it. I'll say my favorite movie of last year, though, Bohemian Rhapsody. I thought it was incredible. There you go. There you go. Leslie, so much fun to spend time with you. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for making the trip to Frank Family. Thank you for tuning in to listen and learn about the women featured in our lifestyle books and involved in our business. 
Share these episodes on your social media platforms so more people can learn about Wine Country Women. Visit our website at winecountrywomen.com to join our list and be the first to learn about exclusive offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new episode of Wine Country Women.